Welcome to Leave Your Mark, where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page at Scott G. Langston. My goal is to create a community of people who take every opportunity to live high-performing lives. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. Reconditioning is a method and language of integrated practice. It brings the worlds of therapy and conditioning together and helps them become more powerful and more practical. If you live in one or both of these worlds or you use the services of a therapist or conditioning coach, you know that sometimes they don't see eye to eye. They aren't on the same page. Reconditioning provides a time-tested process for aligning these two worlds and creating impactful solutions to performance problems. Follow them at ReconditioningHQ on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or become a member of their Facebook group, Reconditioning HQ Revolution, and join the Reconditioning Revolution. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm Scott Livingston, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Greg McLucky. Greg is a professional chiropractor with a degree in kinesiology. Until 2014, Greg had a very active practice and worked with many different people, including some professional athletes. He played many sports from rugby to squash and is now an avid cyclist and skier racing in both sports. He taught numerous wellness courses in a variety of settings, was featured on TV, and has participated on a panel of industry experts focusing on fitness-related injuries. In November 2012, while walking across the street, a car traveling over 70 kilometers an hour struck Greg, causing catastrophic injuries. Since that time, Greg has been speaking about acquired brain injuries and healing in a variety of settings. He's a dedicated family man, and he's on a mission to spread his message of hope and resilience. Welcome, Greg. Hello, Scott. Nice to have Scotty. you here, sir. <laughs> Scotty, yeah. Scotty, yeah. <laughs> you know, you asked me, can I call you Scotty? Yeah. Well, I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, Scotty. It was actually 2012, not 2014. Okay. That's, I think I wrote, well, I wrote 2012. Maybe I read 2014. Well, it, it said that you had a practice in 20, until 2014 and you're. Well, I did. I had people working there for me. It wasn't I me. See. <laughs> I'm not Very practicing. Well. 2012. <laughs> well, we were talking before we started uh, how we got <clears throat> sort of put together and our kind of um, linchpin is uh, Rod McDonald. And how, how did you how did you come to, to connect with Rod? Well, I first met Rod when I was the doctor on staff for the CanFit Pro conference. Mm-hmm. He was the VP for CanFit Pro, I believe. There's a big show, big bodybuilding show and strength training show and all this stuff. And I, they needed a doctor on staff, so I was the, the chiropractor who worked the weekend. Mm-hmm. And we also did a panel together, Rod and I did some injury panel, a bunch of different therapists and doctors on this panel. Rod was on the panel, I was on the panel. And we fielded questions in this big room from a bunch of people on different how to deal with different injuries and so forth. Mm-hmm. We covered you know, how to deal with that low back injury, neck injury, what each profession would do. So we're fielding questions together. That was, um, and that I believe was 2012. That would have been the fall. Okay. And, and so- Rod and I spoke on that panel together. I believe it was then. Cool. So let's go back. Where, where did you grow up and uh, what was life growing up for you all about? Oh, it was really cool. I grew up in Scarborough in the Asian court. Uh, and, uh, Really cool. Went to French immersion there. Speak French, and it was it was good fun. Mm-hmm. Good fun in the school. Play a lot of sports, cross country, running, skiing, football, rugby. Went to, went to Mac McMaster. Won the OUAA's in rugby one year. Played a lot of rugby, and it was good good fun. Really cool. And what so what influenced you 
uh, career-wise to move towards chiropractic? Well, I always wanted to do something physical. I knew that. And back in the day, you needed a whole bunch of high school requirements in a certain programs. Uh, and I, I didn't have all those requirements. So I'm like, okay, this is, what can I take? Cause you know, all these sciences and math and calculus and physics. And I had some of that stuff and not what you need for most heavy engineering medicinal programs. And I was like, well, what can I apply for? This is odd. So I didn't know what to do. So I applied to kinesiology and actually got into McMaster kinesiology and was in kinesiology, learned a ton about the human body, physiology, anatomy, loved this stuff, the physicality with it, learned and loved about the human body. And um, from that point, again, you know, you're early 20s, you don't really know what's up then. You're, you're deciding different things all the time. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I decided I'm going to try applying for the chiropractic college. Why not? It's, it's up my alley. Like I play a lot of sports, do a lot of things. I like the physical body. It makes sense to me. I get it. So I applied my first year and I got put on the waiting list and I didn't get in, didn't get accepted to the chiropractic college. So what I did is I, <laughs> I took the year off and I went to Whistler mm. and I had a year at Whistler, as I called the university of Whistler. I skied 76 <laughs> days that year. It was awesome. <laughs> I worked for uh, Blackholm and I lived at Blackholm staff housing and it was pretty awesome skiing all these days. Like, powder days working busing tables it was just an incredible experience and then applied to chiropractic college once again while living in whistler and i got accepted the second time around so that's mm. kind of how i got into it but man that was an incredible experience moving to whistler would never 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 do it any other way the way when you, well that's cool when you reflect upon that and you know a lot of times people feel um the responsibility of education and getting educated and getting a job and, you know, working and all this kind of stuff. And it sounds like you had this uh, circuitous route back to chiropractic, but not, not chosen in the beginning, but then chosen afterwards. Is that something you would recommend to people that they don't be in such a hurry to, to choose that pathway and instead experiment and explore and see the world a little bit? Highly, highly, highly recommend. I'll never forget I was bussing tables at Merlin's, the base of Black Home Mountain, um, one day at this big table. I'm bussing, cleaning up the table, big, huge table. It's these um, well-to-do Mexican family, man, wife, and his kids, and like six, seven, eight of them. Big table. I'm cleaning the table. And the father looks at me and asks, how many days I've skied that year? And I said, I don't know, probably 30, 40, 50 at that point in time. I wasn't sure. I wasn't 100% that many. He was like, oh, my God. Was, That's incredible. Like what? Here I have a J cloth in my hand. I'm thinking this rich lawyer who flew up from Mexico with his family is telling me that's incredible. He then proceeds to tell me that he was jealous of me. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? This guy met his wife in law school. They promptly got married, had children right away, started a busy practice, and they were just working like dogs nonstop. Yeah, they could afford a whole bunch of money to fly up from Mexico because it was very pricey to get to Worcester back then. And he was telling me, a 25-year-old, I believe it was about 25, 25-year-old university graduate with a blue J cloth in my hand cleaning his table that he was jealous of me. <laughs> I was like, wow. That really woke things up, if you will. Mm-hmm. I went on to ski 76 days that year. It was awesome. I would never do it any other way and uh, puts a lot of things in perspective. Absolutely. So, 
you do chiropractic school and you come out and you start a practice. Um, tell me about starting a practice. How, how challenging was that? And did it live up to what you, uh, you had hoped it would be uh, professionally when you started going to school? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. First I associated different clinics and stuff like that. Um, when I first graduated and then, um, went on to my own and opened up practice with a business colleague, friend of mine. We opened a practice together, then I bought him out, and then he became a sole practice, and it was awesome running up my own. And, you know, you learn the ropes the first couple of years while you're associating, or first year, rather, associating, you figure things out. And it's what you put into it, like anything in life. It's totally what you put into it, mm-hmm. what you get out of it, like how hard you work at certain things. In the chiropractic profession, many different subsects, like there's so many different types of doctors like medical doctors there's surgeons there's physiatrists there's so many different types infectious docs within chiropractic there's 270 at least there was back in the day different types of chiropractors like pediatric chiropractic and you can do everything like we're geriatrics athletes only like holistic wellness there's so many different things and it was really cool and it allowed you to open up your mind and choose what you want to work with in that profession. So you can kind of streamline, figure out what you're good at. And I learned quickly to delegate to my strengths. And I learned various different techniques. I wouldn't pigeonhole into one versus the other. So I'd take care of elderly patients, also some very young infants and stuff like that. And some, I work with some professional athletes. I won't use their names, but work with some professional athletes as well, which was really cool. I was the jack of all trades, if you will, and I could do a lot of different things. I was open to this. So back to your question, you must be open to doing different things, allowing yourself to be open to that. Some people will pigeonhole themselves in life and that can be the kiss of death for, in my mind, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many different ways to skin a cat, pardon that expression, but there's different ways. You have to be open to it first. Okay, quick break here to tell you about reconditioning. Reconditioning is for treatment skills and protocols and training methods and exercises like an operating system on a smartphone is for applications. Fundamentally, reconditioning brings the worlds of therapy and performance preparation together in one systematic process that makes treatments and training systems more efficient and effective. Level 1 takes you through the fundamental assessment process and gives you a tactical approach to eliminating issues that stand in the way of your client's progress towards quality movement and a healthy and high-performing state. Level 2 goes deep on context, analyzing and understanding variable movement patterns, gaining clarity on key movement attributes, and being exceptionally precise about your interventions and strategies. It then links to the overall preparation program. It becomes deeply considerate of the context of that program and the environments of the preparation. Finally, our Reconditioning Mastery Mentorship is a completely virtual experience you can engage in from the comfort of your home. It allows you to benefit from our 50 years of professional practice in a high-quality community of practitioners. This eight-week program walks you through how to apply this powerful operating system in your environment and your circumstances, irons out all the question marks, and ensures you are ready to deliver the most effective reconditioning practice to your clients. Head over to reconditioninghq.com to see when our next courses are being held and when our next mastery mentorship is starting. Become a reconditioning specialist and join the reconditioning revolution. Okay, we're back. 
What was the biggest challenge of building a business that you didn't expect? And now we're on way back. <laughs> um, dealing with, good gosh, figuring out the layout, like building a place. There's so many different challenges along the way. Like I physically built a lot of the office. We had to rent this unit and we literally would go in there and do the renovations and build it ourselves, learning how to do these things. That kind of stunk because I'm not a builder by nature. I don't know <laughs> this stuff. Um, so you kind of learn that was pretty brutal. Um, the construction around the plaza was always rough, part of building practice. Those are some basic things, but it wasn't, it's, again, I don't dwell upon that at all. So mm. what you put into it. And I love doing it. And it, it worked out quite well. Mm. But I don't dwell upon the rough things. I'm just, that question challenged me. It made me think, I'm like, hmm, I didn't really remember, if you will. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's interesting. You have a really, um, positive sort of spin on things which is i guess a good segue into your life-changing experience so um tell a listener you know i don't know the whole story i know i've listened to the things that you sent to me but you you got hit by a car obviously in uh, november of 2012 and it changed your life and tell me about the you know that event and what uh what it caused in you and then we can sort of explore what it what it changed in you okay um, well, I played hockey with my brother-in-laws and we had a hockey team one day, one year rather, we went down to see uh, a football game down the state. Saw the Michigan state Spartans play a football game down in Michigan. And I left the game about halfway because I was really tired. And I went back to the hotel room, grabbed a sleep and the boys were at the restaurant after the game. So I got up from my bed and I walked across the road to, find at the restaurant that's where they were and that's when i got hit by the car when i was walking across the street and i don't really recall much of that at all the, the full week before i don't really recall much retrograde amnesia meaning i don't really remember what happened beforehand mm -hmm. um and i was struck by a car 45 miles an hour 76 clicks 73 clicks lost all vital signs uh Someone was driving a couple of cars behind and saw shoes go flying and she felt compelled to help. So she jumped out of her car, out of her parents' car rather, and jumped to the scene, started doing some mouth to mouth, some CPR, and got the vitals going. And then I was the ambulance came. They took me to the hospital and I was in a coma for a while, for quite a while, about twenty-six days. I was in the hospital states for about nine days. And I got flown home to St. Mike's in Toronto. Then I was there for, again, I'm kind of a coma. I don't remember much of this. Then I was moved to South Lake up in the Newmarket area. And then finally went to Bridgepoint down, the old Bridgepoint Toronto Hospital. And I was all told living in hospitals for about six months. Yeah, uh, November 3 through April 14. Yeah, about six months. And I don't remember the first half of it. Like I said, I was in a coma. And then after that, I had mandatory, I required mandatory attendant care. Uh, I had RSW rehab support worker that stayed with me, working with me. I had lawyers, physiatrists, like speech pathologists, you name it, neuropsych exams, lawyers both in Canada and in the States. I and mean, it was tough. It was a full time job being an 
under rehab. I couldn't drive by law. I had a medical suspension on my license. It took me three and a half hour, years rather than hours, three and a half years to get my license back. Hmm. Um, had to do neuropsych testing, which is the hardest, hardest exam you'll ever have to do. I don't know if you're ever doing, but let me tell you, it makes the board exams look easy. It is <laughs> brutal. They're, they figure out how you fail and they keep pushing it. Where will this person fail? Where will Scotty fail? Let's see how far we can push him. Like they'll drive you to that point. They just want to see what the brain can tolerate. So I had two of those exams, so those, two of those tests. Wasn't fun. Constant leg breaks afterwards, after uh, getting hit by the car. I had bone infection, osteomyelitis in the leg. Had vac therapy and skin flap, skin flap uh, surgery. I've had multiple surgeries, about seven or eight, nine surgeries. I don't really know. There's been a lot. Uh, first, my early 40s kind of stunk. They weren't very good. <laughs> I don't, they weren't that great. I, I was struck by that. I had just turned 41 when I got struck by that car. And it was really brutal to about 45. Then life kind of began again. So it was really mm. cool. Wow. But yeah, that's the Cole's Notes version. I mean, Rod would tell you I could talk. So so you have no, you have no memory. Like it's, I'm kind of interested to explore this, you know, people almost die and there's a lot of sort of conversation around what you experience in, in the, the, the almost death experience. Do you, you don't recall anything about that. You don't recall the, the being in a coma in some sense or the experience of that in some way. No, good God. No, none of it. I never saw the pearly gates. I never saw a white light. Um, I have a bunch of medical doctor colleagues, friends and whatnot. And they said, had the ambulance arrived, you would have been declared DOA. Wow. in that the ambulance did not come. This woman got the vitals going. There were no vitals before. Vitals being like heart, rate, breath. I had nothing. Um, but I don't recall anything at all in the least. I saw no white light. So, yeah. And you had you had children and, and a wife at that time, correct? I still have children and a wife, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry yeah. to say no. it. No, it's had, all good. <laughs> you, you had them at that time. Yeah, I did. Um, what... You know, have you ever reflected with them on that period of time where dad was gone in some sense from them and what that experience uh, meant to them or how it, how it impacted them? We haven't really sat down and reflected on it. And I don't like to dwell upon this at all. Um, mm-hmm. just, just something that happened. I don't, it is a hardship. I mean, I've always said it's been much harder on my wife and my family than it has been on me by far. Yeah, I busted everything. Like pretty much every bone in the body. I can't smell anymore. My balance stinks. But it's been way harder on my wife. Always at the hospital. The girls were funny because they were like, you were about four or five at that point in time when they were coming to the hospital all the time to see daddy. And they just got used to the hospital. They would run around and go find the treats and stuff like that. They were they were so good at the hospital. They, just, they got some funny pictures. I should have sent one of those of me driving around the hospital in the wheelchair with one of my daughters sitting on my lap because <laughs> I had to wheel around. And I had to use the wheelchair a lot. So, but we don't dwell upon that really at all. It's just part of life. Mm-hmm. They're such an age. It's kind of gone now. Well, what, so, you, you know, it sounds like you're a very positive energy uh, person. What do you dwell upon? What do you, what, what is um, your center and how have you spun this into something positive that you're now using to move forward in your life? How have I used this to move forward? It's 
it's not what happens you so much it's how you react to it i don't know if there's something that i has just driven me towards us i i have no idea mm-hmm. i can't answer that really i'm just driven to, it's not what you can't do it's what you can do like how what can i do moving forward i can't run anymore because my balance stinks my leg will bust so i race bikes now i ride the bike a lot i love it i've skied for the first time again it's it's great i don't dwell upon the past at all you you, you can't and for your can you repeat that question sort of my brain will go no that's okay and you know what i'm not going to repeat it because i'm going to seg use this moment to segue to something i do in my podcast which oh. is I read from a book that I discovered a while ago called The Day You're Born. And it's about, basically, it's an astrology meets numerology book. And it talks about your purpose. So you're born September 26th. Correct. And you are a Libra 8. So your purpose is to strive for spiritual and worldly balance through your actions, thoughts, and deeds. Unafraid to oppose injustice, eager to embrace the truth, and always providing a haven for those who have lost their voice and their way. I never thought of stopping and I just hated sleeping. I can't imagine having a better life. Barbara McClintock. The Libra 8 can be obsessive, particularly when it comes to work. They may tend to analyze everyone and everything a bit too much. They've got a great eye for the detail and know how to package and sell anything. Depression may be a problem because they can't always get off the spot and see the bigger picture. When they can, nothing is impossible. Their world will remain small unless they learn to trust. Relationships can be a problem unless they stop testing them again and again. The Libra 8 needs faith. They are talented, have concentration, and take responsibility. Those are winning qualities. Cool. I like that. <laughs> so what is what is your mission? Because you've, you've decided that you're, um, I, I take it that you're still practicing chiropractic based on the video you so showed me in your table on the, on the thing, but I, have the impression that that's your focus has shifted to doing some public speaking and maybe sharing your message. What, what is your message and why are you sharing it? Well, to go back, no, I'm not practicing anymore. I haven't practiced since I was smoked by that car when I was uh, November 3, 2012. I haven't practiced since just before then mm-hmm. I've not practiced. So while I am a chiropractor, I'm a doctor. I'm no longer in active practice. I'm not letting that define me as a person far from it um it was my medical doctor friends who were saying look if what happened to you to someone in the medical field there's no way you would ever be allowed to practice medicine again it's just not possible with the injuries you've sustained what's happened to your brain you're not fit to practice and it took me about a year to wrap my head around that one but i finally resigned the license and I put it aside so no i'm not an active practice anymore um instead what i do and i've I presented a lot i speak lecture teach motivate inspire and you know it's how to move forward in life you know success is it's a constant journey it's not a destination it's not once i reach there oh i'm there no you don't keep going it's like how can i get myself better it's not what you can't do it's what you can do what can i do you you figure that out you drive it to the next level you keep Mm -hmm. pushing forward like I'm racing bikes. How can I get faster? How can I drop the pounds, get quicker? Yes, I can't run. I don't dwell that I can't do that. That Who cares? Don't care that I can't smell. You know, so I, and I don't care that I can't practice anymore. It's not so much what occurred to me that is the message. And I got in arguments. I presented the Canada Sales Congress. Interesting. I was just in your hometown last November presenting the Congrès de Montréal in French. <laughs> and I got in arguments with the Philippe 
my insurance agent, the one I presented with in um, Toronto, I said, look, it's not, the message isn't what occurred to me. He goes, but people relate to that. You, you really got to understand that people can relate to that. Right? And I had to really wrap my head around that one. He, he is right. But the story isn't what has happened to me. Yeah, it stunk. Whatever. I don't hang my hat on that. Yeah, this guy was dead or almost dead. Whatever, busted a bunch of bones. He's fine now. I don't, that's not the message. It's what you do with what's been given to you. And how do we elevate and drive ourselves forward? And you can't let yourself slow yourselves down. You know, I've done a lot of presenting to um, different organizations, March of Dimes, a whole bunch of brandery stuff. Um, the Party Program, Prevention of At-Risk Teenagers and Youth. That's a program across North America, different hospitals, a chiropractic college, presented lots of different places. And again, it's not about limiting yourself. And the one thing I found when I was doing a lot of groups with or presentation with the March Dimes and whatnot, I would go to these uh, survivor meetings and whatnot, and they'd often ask me, they're like, what's up with you? Like, what happened to you? You seem fine. And that's one of the problems I found with um, the so-called brain injury, the, the invisible injury. You, you can't really tell. And because I didn't have something obvious, it was tough for this group to see me they didn't understand what was going on, but I kept studying, kept training, doing a lot of mental work, all sorts of stuff, reading. And what I found was that by going to these groups, it was slowing down the growth. And that's mm-hmm. going to sound extremely egotistical, but I've broken up with girlfriends in the past, guys in the past that slow you down. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. gotta keep moving forward. How can I elevate that? We we choose our peer groups. We can't choose our family, but we can choose our peer groups, our friends. And, and what I found with these groups, they were not driving and pushing me forward. And so then from then I morphed into presenting bigger stages, the chiropractic college, the hospitals, you know, the insurance world, and going to private presentations now. So it's lots of really good stuff. Moving forward, it's not what I can't do, it's what I can do. I keep moving forward. I don't like to be slowed down. Sometimes people or groups can inadvertently throw an anchor around you from the growth that you can experience. And this is not to sound egotistical in the least. I don't want to come across as such. I mean, it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. It was great. But at the, I've, I've achieved the success of that group, and now I've moved forward fourth move beyond that it's time to move on mm-hmm. i wasn't supposed to i wasn't supposed to live a year with a skull fracture scoring a glasgow coma scale three you're just not supposed to live and i kept living kept pushing for okay well that's fine i don't want to dwell upon that i just want to keep moving forth how do i elevate and of course i'm studying this stuff there's research this stuff learn about neurogenesis neuroplasticity doid neurodoid's books uh I've spoken with him and neurogenesis how the brain creates new neurons up to, up to about 1500 new neurons a day up in the hippocampus and the brain gets created every day by what we do we think we eat all this stuff how we train and it goes on such that by the time you're 50 years old every neuron in your brain will be brand new every neuron so when i went to yeah, chiropractic college and kinesiology we were taught that you're only born with a certain amount of brain cells that's it and they just die as we age and then 
finally one day we hit the bucket. That's not the case. And I didn't know this stuff. And this research just came out like 2014 on TED Talk. Shout out Sandra and throw. It's really cool. But um, it'd be this information. And I was putting it into practice, not really understanding what I was doing, such that by working out, by training, by eating right and thinking right, I'm creating more new neurons, doing a lot more. And I found that by slowing myself down, by going, hanging with certain people, doing certain group things, it wasn't driving me forward. Mm. I don't know if this makes sense mm-hmm. or if I'm confusing your listeners or if I'm sounding completely like an egotistical maniac. <laughs> I hope not. Not at all. I don't, it doesn't yeah. sound egotistical to me. It sounds enlightening, like you've, you've been enlightened to something that you didn't necessarily know before. Um, I'm, I'm curious if, if somebody had told you, like, what was the guy before the accident like compared to the guy now? Like when you looked back at yourself before you had the accident, um, do you think the guy before would have spoken the way you're speaking now about um you know don't don't look at what you can't do look at what you can do uh, were you that kind of can do person beforehand or or is this something you've been enlightened through your experience um yeah so, so yeah i was like that before yeah um there was all these things with um brain injuries this magnitude that they write about attentiveness is a major issue decision making impulsivity they'll swear like banshees and whatnot like it varies from person to person um i never really exhibited much of that but back to question my one friend noted he goes you know you were always a positive cat beforehand but ever since getting smoked by that car it's like that positivity took a new level like it's like positivity on crack on speed and it has increased if that makes sense so uh, that's the way i view things like i've been there mm-hmm. i've i've kind of already almost kicked the bucket like don't go on about your first world problems i don't have time for that crap i really don't sorry mm-hmm. listeners if that trying to do that statement but i just don't have time for it and people often will set themselves up for failure because they set the bar so low with their expectations. I can only do this. I can only do that. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. It's not. Again, I say it a lot. Again, what can you do? Mm -hmm. You know, you're looking at, look at the quote right there, right above you. Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. What's it say? Impossible is nothing. You know, (laughs) it's not. And we create it for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So what do you you think it is in the human spirit that does that to us? that does what creates that limitation limitation stops us from being looking at, at at the glass the way you look at the glass versus the way some look at the glass what's your insight into that or do you have an insight into that it comes from the self i don't have that much insight into it i wouldn't say that i know that much about that <laughs> can talk to a psychologist more so than myself but all i know it's, it's how we view ourselves and it comes from the self mm-hmm. um, and the self we often create come from our upbringing our family life our upbringing who we hang with our friends peer groups and the definitions that we define ourselves by i can only do this because of said reason or xyz and it's the self-fulfilling prophecy that we create if mm-hmm. you will 
Um, so that's where it comes from in the self. Has there been a, has there been an individual or a part, a party in your experience, uh, of recovering from this thing that, that helped you move forward in a really positive way, or is it all come from inside of yourself? I don't know. Um, well, my wife was amazing being around. <laughs> I had a whole support team being around, you know, mm-hmm. incredible uh, rehab support worker, had a whole team that looked after me when I was mangled. Like, I was in a coma, this left, right, and center, and constantly breaking limbs. And my wife was incredibly supportive throughout that. She was like the good backbone to everything, support. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. But your question you were asking, does it come from within? I believe your first question. Well, I had asked that, yes, and but I had also sort of wanted to to know whether you have been influenced in a positive way by somebody, or if you self influenced yourself through this. Like some people draw inspiration from others, uh, and they help them th- through these difficult times, and other people look at it um, as as they drag themselves through the situation. So it sounds it sounds like you've had a lot of support, but you also feel because of your personality, you've you've dragged yourself through the the mangled bushes in some sense as well. Thank you. You just summarized everything. My thoughts. <laughs> I had incredible support around me, but you just summarized it all. And uh, <laughs> I'm just driven like that. Yeah. And I'm just driven. And, but I did have the great field around me, a support cast, which one needs. You need huge support around you. You have a good team, which I do. Amazing team. What do you, what are you on a mission to do now then? What is your, what is, what is the, <clears throat> effects you want to have on people and what what are you trying to to make happen in the world well i'm not an active practice anymore i like doing what i was doing uh, but now i'm doing different things and <laughs> again it's not, not what you can't do it's what you can do and, and now i can present motivate inspire and help others get their best out of themselves people often limit themselves and it doesn't have to be that way they can see a different way of doing things a better way I'm not saying my way is the only one. Forget that. That's no, not at all. I'm saying they can think differently. And my ideas, my thoughts are to help motivate others to be their better selves, if you will, mm-hmm. to help inspire others. And you, you cycled uh, before your injury or you picked up cycling afterwards? I cycled before, yes. Okay. And then now you've gotten back into it and you're now doing some competitive cycling. You mentioned before we came on, you did a grand fundo in my part of the world in Trombone. (laughs) In Trombone, we, yeah, Peloton's all in French. It was awesome. I just got back, just did that. um, It was just Sunday or Saturday. Yeah, just there. Well, you, it's interesting that you used language when you were describing it to me. Oh, that sucked, and uh, yeah, but that was like you know that's tough going uphill and da 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 da. But I'm curious, how is it that you're able to use the language of difficulty, but to transcend that into success and to feel that you it's what you can do? So you you can relate to the pain of it, but you can overcome it by this sense that you, you can do anything. I'm just curious how that works in your little, in your brain <laughs> for others to feel like, what, what do you, what do you say to yourself as you're riding up that sucky hill? It's at, uh, you know, 12% and you're grinding out. What is, what is going through Greg's head uh, versus perhaps what's going through somebody else's head? I don't know what's going through. I was like, dang, I get up this. First off, when I woke from the coma, I, all I would speak was French. 
Really? My first words were French. I'm not from Quebec. I'm not from France. I know French, but my brain just went speaking French. And I would mutter and cuss in French all the time. And at the hospital, I was cussing in French. And so when I was racing in trauma, your neck of the woods, just on Saturday, the Peloton's all in French. Like, you have to speak to them in French. And you're going to yell at it in French. you got to yell back in French. So and for a lot of times, I think in French, which is kind of cool. But mm-hmm. what do I say to myself? To motivate, like, you got to push yourself forward. It's like, come on, keep going. It's not what again. I keep saying, no, what you can't do is what you can't like drive forward. How can I get this better? Get the heart rate down, push up the hill, keep going. So I just, I don't know about the others. I'm just like, man, I need some food. I'm gassed. gassed. But I I keep going and I want to break times, race Mm -hmm. it. And I got the results from the Fondo and I wasn't last, which is great. (laughs) It was awesome. Um, And I, Broke the time from last year. I'm racing on um, three days up Lake Placid with Mount Whiteface, and I'm excited for that. I want to break my time from last year, which is really good. So you look constantly look forward to that. Like, how can I improve? How can I make this better? How can I do it better? What part can I really rep? In the process of doing this podcast over the last year, I've interviewed a lot of different people, and and, and the thing that sort of always seems to resonate with successful people who've really got things dialed is this sensitivity to the difference between resonating or connecting to process or the process of achieving a goal versus being very focused on just the goal. And do you, do you, do you resonate with process, the process of getting through or, or growing as you go through and achieve something, or is it, are you more of a goal oriented person? I'm, well, it's kind of conf- confused somewhat with that, but in that things have changed recently. I volunteer at the hospital where I used to stay. I just volunteered, and they've actually put me on a leave of absence. They got to find something more specific to my needs because uh, it's not often I have a doctor on as a volunteer, and they were having. They're like, this is you need to be doing far more of this. They want me to be doing a lot more, utilizing my skill sets that are there. And again, not so egotistical. There's a lot there inside. Like I know a lot about the human body and this that I want to utilize it to the best of my abilities. And so that's been put on hold. And so I'm not volunteering right now. I also joined recently, a year and a half ago, Toastmasters in Aurora. And I just put that on hold as well. In that I've made certain gains kind of like i was doing the march time speaking groups i've made some huge gains with them they were awesome great with toastmasters great volunteering in the hospital it's great with march times all these things i've learned a ton but i've reached a certain level now it's boom it's time to jump to the next so it's you know back to your question you get to plateaus and forward to the next place where do i go next like one on the route how do i make this interval faster how to go quicker up the climb you, know, you constantly move forward i don't know if that makes sense as far as mm-hmm. the question goes mm-hmm. but I, there's no one level that i gotta get to it's like you keep pushing forward like you're talking about successful people how they set goals for themselves yeah certain goals obviously grand goals but then you micro goal like my month goal my year goal to set and the other no, I think it's, I guess it didn't mean to confuse you on it, but the, there's a sensitivity between setting a goal 
And the goal being, it's kind of an all or nothing thing versus are, am I connected to the goal, no, but no, also no. connected to the process of getting the goal. So for me, it's more of a process. I, sorry to cut you off. It's not all or nothing. Forget that. It, it's a process. Hmm. It's growth is a journey. It's not a destination. It's not one goal. Oh, I've missed. How many people do I know? Oh, that race was terrible. I finished dead last or whatever. You know, they, they, it's a failure in their mind. And that's a crummy way of looking at it in my mind. Hmm. I skied. You know, when I go to the hospital, one of the best things I ever did, this is going to sound crazy, I shoveled the driveway. The end of the driveway, a horrible snowstorm here in Aurora. We had some crazy snow, and I got outside. I wasn't in a walker anymore. Didn't have a busted leg. Didn't have a wheelchair. Didn't have the stupid pick line and all these things, the surgeries and whatnot. And do you know how amazing it felt to actually use a shovel and pick up snow and move it? It was great. It was awesome. So that was the success right there. It's not, oh, I can't do this. And how many people do I know? I can't do this. I can't do that. And they limit themselves. They self, yes, but earlier. It's, it comes from the self. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't shovel snow. Yes, you can do whatever if you put your mind to it. There's ways to do it. You know, there's ways to do it. It's not what you can do. It's what you can do. How can you figure a way to do something different? Awesome. Sorry if you're going on a rant. I can talk. <laughs> Rants are good. Um, last question. You, um, you will pass from this earth one day hopefully not for a long time how do you wish to be remembered by people so an energetic enthusiastic positive fun loving awesome inspirational kind of straight down to earth straight shooter cat you know awesome that's pretty straightforward well, that's how they're remembered it's been uh, very nice to go through your journey, sir, and to see uh, what you've experienced and how you've made it a positive instead of a negative in your life. So, well, yeah, yeah. we can all do that too. Mm -hmm. It starts from within. Absolutely. Like your picture behind you, Muhammad Ali. Good one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, thanks for taking uh, time with me, sir. It's been uh, very much appreciated and uh, hope we bump into each other uh, live and in person one day soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the best to your listeners. Hope they got something out of it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at King O'Pain and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.